What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another recording from Public Access America. Thank you for listening. I am Jason. We are waiting for Jeffrey, and we do a live Sunday live stream, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, over on YouTube at Public Access America. You can find me on Viper and Snapchat at JasonAnthony850. You can find us on TikTok and Twitter at Public Access Pod. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Public Access America. And check out some of our other shows. Adam has a beard just had a couple new episodes come out, which is exciting. Inspirations Beyond Disabilities has a new episode out. And last week we did a flurry of episodes, uh, speeches from Martin Luther King, um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt in Chicago, and um, John Kennedy, as well as our COVID episodes with our buddy Dan the infectious disease expert. And those are really popular. They're really up to date and they're really great. <laughs> so thank you for listening. I will be right back with Jeffrey. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. Don't think, feel. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10... We did not know each other, and we could not speak to each other, because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to us. To every politician who was taking donations from the NRA, name on you. I believed them when they said they were sleeping on concrete floors. I believe them. Children being separated from their parents in front of an American flag. I believe them. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if you're going to figure out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen. And here we are. I believe these women. You're wrong. I feel extremely lucky to, to be here with all of you fighting for justice, for equality, for the right for us to equally exist in this country. There were 329 uprisings, 157 cities within four and a half years. And neither Martin nor Fannie had any control over that. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. But their children were saved, and their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere, and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless America. May God bless America. May God bless America. Who's there? Who's it going to be when you get here? What's up? Remember Steve oh, it's, Wright? It's just me, your friendly neighborhood asshole. Yay! <laughs> So what's up? Uh, oh, sorry. Hey, welcome to Public Access America. <laughs> what's up? What's up? I forgot what we were doing there for a minute. It's just oh bam. hell. It's it's Sunday morning. Fresh cup of coffee. 
been awake for like, you know, maybe an hour. Mm, love it. That's when we get Jeffrey in his prime, right? Usually, yes. Yeah. Of course, you know, Debbie looks at me and, you know, there'll be times where I've already been at it and mm. they'll get up and they're like, how can you be this way so early in the morning? I'm like, well, what you don't understand is that, you know, I start waking up at like 4.30 in the morning because usually right. the cats want to be fed. And and then it's like, you know, I get deep sleep for a little while, then the cats want to be fed, and then I get a nap, and then I'm up and at it. <laughs> so, like, you know, I'm also one of those people, too, where um, unless I take Benadryl or, you know, any other thing, like, I'm a light sleeper. So, like, <laughs> I wake up pretty easily most of the time. Um, unless I'm like really tired today, I was a little tired because I was, I went and helped a friend redo the suspension on their truck yesterday. So I'm a little, a little sore and a little tired this morning. So I was like, okay, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll go at our own pace. Love it. All right. Well, I'll take it easy on you. We actually, no, you won't. I actually mentioned some topics just so that we had a little bigger grasp on it because I really think this pipeline issue, the colonial pipeline issue is like the future of things to come. And so I'm really interested in that. And then I don't know if anybody that knows me understands that I'm a timeline guy. And just the fact that Israel was just placed in the middle of Palestine kind of bugs me. And I wanted to know how it got there. So hopefully later we can talk about that just where they how they got where they are that's what bothers me not not the conflict that's going to happen all the time but why is israel there you know that just it kind of bugs me did they just move in one day and then we actually got some questions from a listener on instagram nick nikki is blessed um sent us three questions two of them i don't think really relate to you more uh toward Debbie, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Oh, hey, well, you know, I'm, I think it's uh, addressing daddy issues. But then there's another one about the new mask mandate. So how about mm. if we'll, just, we'll just warm our way into your topic by saying we don't have to wear masks anymore. So yes, to update our COVID vaccine episodes. <laughs> right. So from a mathematical perspective on the whole mask issue thing. Whew. Um, okay. So as, as some of you might know, I'm, I'm a data person. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I am very, you know, I have a master's in information management. Part of that is analysis. So here's, here's where there's this giant disconnect. Like, and, and I, I, this is my biggest problem with, with Democrats is is that the moment that their their party head says something okay uh, is okay it suddenly is like you know yay we're all going to embrace this things are you know sunny and peachy and blah 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 mm-hmm. like for example when when trump wanted to reopen schools uh all the democrats were screaming no it's too dangerous there's no safe way to do it Biden gets elected, gets in office and says, we're going to reopen schools. The Democrats are like, yay, this is all going to be magical and better. And I'm sitting here going, nothing has changed. There's been actually zero change. It it, it didn't matter how, quote unquote, safely you tried to do it. You didn't have kids getting vaccines. 
And the idea that the same group of people who are constantly like changing hair ties and hats and and coughing on each other uh, was the idea that any of this was ever going to be safe and that they were going to somehow make sure that all of these students were going to be wearing masks the entire time. I mean, that was never going to happen. And Mm. of course, the data here has already shown that, you know, we've had a couple of outbreaks in our school systems. So not shocked mathematically speaking that was expected (laughs) like and that's without having to do any sort of in-depth analysis so now that kids are you know kids 12 and up are going to be able to get vaccinated that's going to help make a world of difference yes but now kind of what we talked about with herd immunity you know herd immunity was one of those things where it was always nebulous Simply because there is no real good, like, if we hit this number, herd immunity is reached. Because it's a right. little bit different for everybody. Sure. And it's a little bit different in calculation on based on the disease and how easy it transfers uh, and, the and length spreads. Of time, right? Like how long we are actually immune. That's, right. that's an issue with getting the vaccine all at once, is if we all get it all at once, we're all herd immune for that amount of time. But if we're scattered, then some of us are immune some of the time, and that's that's the uh, hard and thing. That's, and that's where like the, the initial vaccination push is going to help, help reduce the spread of the disease. Right. And then every year having a vaccination push, like you would with the flu shot, for example, okay. that is going to be what helps... Uh, tame the spread of that i mean they're already looking at doing that doing the mrna treatment with the flu so that way we can knock down two diseases at once and i think it's uh, a fantastic idea but the calculus of herd immunity has always been um unsure Mm -hmm. because even even if you listen to dr fauci one of the things that he's always said is is that you're looking at about 70% to 90% of the population either having been infected or vaccinated. And so really that's your biggest, that's your, that's, you know, that's where you would want to start. But ideally he said 70 to 95%. Right. Okay. So what does that look like currently? We're not close to that. No. Only one third of the population is considered fully vaccinated and one half is con- has had at least one shot. Right. And, and wait, um, there's about a hundred million kids in the, in the U S I don't know what percentage of them are now of vaccine age, but I, I think they're just trying to push to a general higher percentage number by getting kids in there faster. You know what I mean? Right. So that is one of those things where it's like the, the mathematics is important in this because from a mathematical perspective, her, if you if you look at herd immunity as the seventy percent threshold, we're nowhere near close to that. In fact, I would argue that these mandates probably needed to be pushed out another, you know, until probably about June thirty, is when we would look at seeing some of that happen. Hmm. And of course, a lot of places are starting to embrace that uh, against the advice of medical science. So, hmm. why is that? Do why you is, think? Why is that? Well, Jason, what do you think people who aren't working are collecting? Money. And when you have a large percentage of the population not working, what are you losing as a government? 
money. Mm-hmm. And so... Well, you're spending it. I just think it's a money tree. I don't think you're losing it. You're just, it's always being transferred. It, money is a state like air. It's always being passed. It's not lost. You know what I mean? Well, that's, that's what it should look like. But the reality is that that's not what it looks like at all. The state of Washington, for example, is, has spent a lot of money on keeping people home. Yeah. And that has been a blessing in, in our numbers, being able to stay low. Right. But it is now getting to the point where, and I would argue it probably has been to the point where the state of Washington no longer has the money to keep people home is what's gotcha. going on. Okay. So here we had Inslee say that, you know, if you have all of these, if you hit all of these metrics, you know, you're going to, advance on to the next phase well then they strategically revise that to be like we're going to move all the counties through these phases and if you fail these metrics you roll back a phase so that happened with a couple of counties but then the caseload kept getting higher and higher and rather than saying okay now now instead of having just two counties that have failed and had to roll back there's like seven or eight now that should have to roll back wow we're not doing that that's crazy weird. And it's the mixed message. No, it's mes- not. It's, it's not. It's it's a mixed message, but it's not weird. Because when you don't have the money to keep people home mm-hmm. and you don't have, and businesses aren't getting the money to keep themselves operating. Right. Basically, what you have to do is you have to keep moving the goalpost. And that's exactly what's yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. It's just, uh, yeah, I'm in Florida and we're opening up and, you know, all this other stuff. And you guys are more of a Democrat like mm-hmm. leaning place and it's just it it always interested me like how it, how both sides dealt with it you know and we were all just saying oh the other side just wants to kill us or take away our rights when honestly it was just different ways to address the same situation and in a exactly. few years we're going to see actually which side actually did it better and i'm interested in that absolutely so you're you're saying unemployed people would rather have the virus around so they can stay home i wouldn't say that that's the case i would say i would say that uh there's probably some that definitely feel that way i would say that probably the vast majority are like hey you know we what we're what we're being told is is that the vaccines work but that there are breakthrough cases and that the boosters should help solve that problem. And we want to stay home until the boosters are there. Oh, wow. And mathematically speaking, the vaccine, regardless of what variant you get, seems to be highly effective with the mRNA uh, vaccines, oh, oh, Pfizer yeah. and Moderna. Even even against the variants, they seem to be still pretty effective. Like, yeah, we talked it about might not be like week. the 94%, 95%. It looks more like 89 90%. But that's still a lot better than that's still well above the threshold that we look at for most of the vaccines that we get as kids. Yeah. So, so I mean that is so that is something that you know we have to take into account. Is, is and that it, it, it's totally close to perfect when it comes to keeping you out of the hospital or deadly sick or dead. It's almost perfect for that. You might get symptoms that uh, uh, resemble a flu, but you're not going to pass it on. You can't. You can't shed the virus off onto other people once you're vaccinated. You're just... Well, they're not sure about that one yet. They're not sure about that one yet. Well, that's what but they're saying now, though. So that's what I've seen some say, but 
that, uh, that's what I've seen some say, but they really they really haven't shown any evidence that that's the case. Okay. You know, because because here's the thing is is that you even when you get the flu and you've gotten the flu vaccine, you can still spread the flu to other people. Sure. The idea that magically this one will stop that level of transmission, I I haven't seen the evidence that says that. I mean, I'm well, open I mean, I'm open to looking at that, but I haven't it, seen that yet. The way I see it is if it. it gets into your body and your body is a, a poor host for it. It can't survive to thrive, to go to that stage of. Oh yeah. I mean, for the vast majority, for the know? vast majority, absolutely. That's the case. I mean, I just think that's what, that's the reasoning behind saying that <clears throat> it's hard to transmit, especially if you're wearing a mask and social distancing and washing your hands or right. two out of those three, you know, then it's damn near impossible to pass which is once you're vaccinated, I'm saying, you know what I mean? Right. You know, it's, 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 a, it's, it is, uh, quite, quite, quite difficult yeah, yeah. to pass it once you've been vaccinated, but it's not, obviously it's not perfect. Nothing is ever going to be perfect. And that's, that's one of the things that mathematically we have to keep in mind because if, if, if mathematically something was perfect, Number one, I would be excited. Number two, that would disappear from the market. <laughs> right. That just means you haven't done enough math on it. If you have 100%, because even Lysol's like, we're 99.99% effective. <laughs> you know, right. they, can't, they can't say 100%. So Right. Get... And, and, that's, and, and that's great. You know, and that's, that's one of those things. Like, when you look at the caseload that we've had, and you look at a 90, even, even if we were to just say it was all variants. Mm-hmm a 90% reduction in caseload is going to, is going to be very, very beneficial for hospitals. Yeah. It's going to be more open beds. That's going to be people getting back in and seeing their doctor for things other than COVID. Yeah. That's going to be people, uh, getting, uh, necessary treatments, surgeries, et cetera, because the hospital's not just a COVID ward. Right. I mean, last I checked, it was 40,000 people in hospital beds with COVID out of 110,000 beds in the country. So we really brought that down at its peak. It was 116,000 people filling our hospital beds. And we did, we were 16,000 people short as a nation, 16,000 beds short as a nation. And now we're, we have so much room, you know, I, I like and that's, that. and that's, what's fantastic is, is that there, there is clearly evidence that says that this is working. Mm -hmm. Now that said, that said, when you look at the data and why they're saying that we, we can no we, we don't have to wear masks anymore. Number one, like I said, mathematically speaking, when it comes to hitting herd immunity, we're not close. So to right. me, they're jumping the gun on this by probably about six weeks. Um, okay. I would I would say that if vaccination rates kept up as they were, and we hit that, you know, seventy yeah. percent mark, or you know, even the sixty percent mark, maybe, then you could start looking at doing what we're doing. Right. I think it's too early. Well, I think what's weird is that. Democrats aren't going to wear their masks because they got vaccinated. Republicans aren't going to wear their masks because they never really believed in it. So it's not a good, a great shaming tactic. You know what I mm. mean? Telling no. people they have to wear masks if they never believed in the vaccine, the mask or the, or the disease itself to begin with. So I don't, I don't understand that one. And if you're not going to accept my vaccine card as a way to get 
get me stuff that they didn't get, then it's a useless attempt. And why would you do it unless you're he's Joe Biden wants a goal by uh, July 4th. Right. Mm -hmm. He's trying to achieve the goal of herd immunity by July 4th. I don't know if this does it, but I mean, it was people were were getting so irritated with no reward to all this, you know, doing what we were told and not getting a reward. Absolutely. And that's and that's where (laughs) this is where it gets absolutely funny to me, because what you're going to do is you're going to say that vaccinated people no longer have to wear masks in these stores. Right. And vaccinated people do. Right. But you're not going to check to see if somebody's vaccinated. So everybody doesn't have to wear a mask. And it's like, number one, like, this is where I've got to do the, you know, the dance between the two sides that makes everybody go crazy because I can't tell if I'm a Republican or a Democrat, which I'm not either. So when it comes to the idea of getting, you know, like these vaccinated sections and, and all of that. To me, it's it's one of those things where I think it's absolutely insane because mm-hmm. you can't ask to verify that information. It's illegal to do so, mm-hmm. and you put I would I would I would argue that you put people who are vaccinated at risk because you know that there are going to be people who aren't vaccinated that are just going to test this theory, right? And be like, oh, did you get sick because I got I coughed on you, right? On the other end of the spectrum, the you know the whole question about do mandates work? You know, mandates are only as effective as the people who follow them. So when half your mm-hmm. group of people is just like "fuck your mandate," we're not going to follow it. Well, what are the repercussions of not following the mandate? Nothing. Right. So you're telling me that you want me to do something, and there are no penalties for me not doing it. No, I'm not going to do it. It's like at that point you leave it up as a choice of, Hey, you know, just do what's right by your neighbor, wear a mask, get vaccinated. And the reality is, is is that even for people who are going, who are on the fence still about getting vaccinated, number one, it is safe and effective. Number two, yes, there are some side effects. There are with every vaccine that you take. Number three, you can't shed MRNA. That is not how this works at all no but number four people need to get back to listening to their doctor about what medical advice looks like because if they're well if they're not willing to do the research themselves then they need to find someone they can trust that's done the research right because because here's the reality is is that you know your medical professional for the most part is going to recommend certain things for you as a way of keeping you safe and healthy. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you have to follow it? No. Is it in your best interest to follow it? Probably. That's like, you know, anything like I go like, like, for example, I went to the doctor about a year ago because, you know, everybody was, you know, in the house was finding out, Oh, Hey, the reason that I have been lethargic is, is that I have low thyroid mm-hmm. or, Hey, I've got this going on and that's been a right. problem for me. And so I was like, you know what? I've always struggled with my weight a little bit. I'm going to go to the doctor and I'm going to see if there's anything wrong with me that might help be that magic bullet that pushes me over the edge. Nice. So I, I did all the blood tests. I did a couple other tests 
And I'm like, yes, you know, I'm going to get some answers. And it turns out the answer is my heart is in great condition. My cholesterols are exactly where they're supposed to be. Nice. My hormone levels, my vitamin levels are all exactly where they need to be. I just like food too fucking much. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. So, so the answer wasn't, you know, the answer wasn't something that, you know, I needed to take this pill and magically it was going to be all better. The answer is my fat ass needs to actually exercise and, and actually burn the calories that I'm eating. And, yeah. or I need to adjust my food intake so that way I can yes. actually start losing weight. And the fact that I, I did it for a while and I lost some weight and then I put it back on because I stopped doing it, mm-hmm. you know, is just a testament to the fact that it's like, this is on me at this point. Like I have to make the decision that I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to exercise to be healthier and I'm going to follow my doctor's recommendation of me doing something that is going to benefit me. There you go. But in like another case with depression, you know, for some people eat, you know, it's about changing your diet. It's about doing more exercise. It's about being more involved. Or in my case, it's a chemical issue with my body and I've got to be on medication for the rest of my life. But people have to know that you don't go to your internalist or your general for that. That, but that's the thing is we, we have to go to our general physician for everything. And when it comes to depression, often they try to treat it when it, it should be a referral to a different kind of help. And that's, but, and, and the reality for rural America is, is that, you know, most likely, you know, all you've got is a general getting to a right. specialist is, is hundreds of miles away. And if you exactly. don't have the ability to get there, well, you know, at least in the past, telehealth wasn't an option. Right. Now that, you know, one of the things that I have to, you know, applaud the last administration for was making it so that way telehealth would be far more available to the public, okay. whether you're in the city or rural, because the reality is, is that we, we live in an age where we have enough technological advances that there shouldn't be as many barriers to anybody getting to a doctor, be it, right. be it your ability to travel, be it visual, be it disability, be it anything at all, you should be able to see a doctor mm-hmm. and have them help you. And if you need to, and if they need to refer you to somewhere to do whatever test it is, that is in a close proximity to you that so that way you they can get results and get you moving. Yeah, I just think if you say you have depression to a general physician, they're going to take a medical a pharmaceutical approach to it. Whereas if you go to a therapist who, who isn't allowed to distribute pharmaceuticals, then you're going to get more talk therapy, which might be what you need as well. Or Absolutely. you might actually need intense therapy and pharmaceuticals together and you need to see that person. But I just, I don't. So, I don't... so, so here's what happened in my experience. I went to the doctor because I was having major depressive episodes mm-hmm. The first thing that they did was they referred me to a therapist and said, let's start here. Right. Because, because depending on your doctor, they're going to try and start with the least uh, medically invasive first. Sure. Sure. 
you know, there's no need you, you to fix hope. the problem. There's no need to fix the problem with a sledgehammer when all you need is a ball peen on a finishing nail. Unless you, know, you unless you have the doctor that's getting <clears throat> paid, getting paid to promote a certain pharmaceutical, and then suddenly everybody's on that pharmaceutical. You know. Yeah. Which in which case that's one of those things where we could we can dive into that one, and I'd have a million things to say about it. I'm just I'm just what I'm saying is like. Doctors aren't paid enough to do what they do, and they're stretched super thin and don't put a lot of thought into you. So if you don't put a lot of thought into what you want from the doctor before you talk to the doctor, that doctor is going to try and take care of things that they're not qualified to take care of. Absolutely. If If you ask the right questions and address the issues the way you should then you might get a different outcome. Mm-hmm. So. Now, in the case of internal medicine, like whether or not you should be getting vaccinated or not, mm-hmm. you know, once again, this is all highly dependent on your own body and the way that you're going to react to this. Right. The vast majority of people are going to have very mild side effects. Some might have some moderate side effects. Very few have severe side effects, which is, yeah. which is what you look for. Um, in terms of in terms of whether or not you should do it obviously like this is one of those things where if you need to consult your doctor and your medical history on this mm-hmm. you know if if you've taken vaccines before and you've had no reactions there's a pretty solid chance that that's also going to be the case because you know as yeah. dan as dan talked about you know the things that are in the vaccines you know are pretty safe and effective yeah. there's there's you know most people have very few issues with any of them at all Called but, sugar and vegetable oil you know what I mean? right <laughs> so you know it's it's one of those things where you just have to you have to you have to listen to your doctor and why they would say uh, why they would recommend or wouldn't recommend. Mm-hmm. And the problem that we've had in this country is, is that I, I call it, I, I call it the medical advertisement syndrome. Yeah. It's like we, we, we see a medical ad on, on the TV and it's, you know, all these people are like, if you have anal leakage and they're all dancing around all wild and it's like, I have anal leakage and I want to mm-hmm. dance like that. You know, right. it's, it's not about, you know, the issue at hand is not whether or not you need the, med- the issue at hand is whether or not you need the medication, because the reality is, is that it could be that you just need to change your diet, but yeah. we do this research ourselves and we think that we know the answer to it. Right. Now there are certain things that you should know the answer to. Like, for example, <clears throat> you know, your own body better than your doctor does. And if something new is happening and you can't tie it to something, that's when you need to go see your doctor and say, Hey, something has started happening. Yeah. I need some help. Yep. Yep. But you know, it's also that whole, like what, at what point do I get concerned? Because one of the things like my, my parents never told me is is that you're going to have some random shit pop up and it's going to worry the hell out of you, but it'll never crop up again. Like, there was uh, about a week-long period back in 2015 where just this top section of my lip went completely numb. Yeah. And I was like, uh-oh, something's wrong. Yeah. And I tried, and I tried to find what it was. And I was like, I think I should probably go to the doctor and get this checked out because I yeah. don't know what's happening. And then it went away. Right. And I've never had the problem since. Okay. I get you. My wrist hurts every <clears throat> so often because I fell on the ice once. I just not because you're sitting at home beating it constantly. 
No, no, no. Different. <laughs> so, See, I'm a drummer, though. I got to be good with both hands. That's right. That's right. I, <clears throat> I, just, I don't. I just think people need to think more. And I also like how they discuss defunding the police. I wish we would do that. Have that same thought when it comes to healthcare. I wish <clears throat> my. I wish my. Defund G- the insurance companies. No, I just wish there was a different approach to things. I would, I mean, I have blood sugar issues, but I want to talk to a nutritionist instead of a general. Like mm-hmm. my main, I think my main concern, I should have a specialist in that helps me with everything else. Cause it is my nutrition, enough water, enough salad and no sugar. Jason's fine. His blood sugar doesn't go up, but yeah, if he eats a key lime pie, guess what? <laughs> He's in trouble. So I just think we need a, we need a, a way, a new way to address illnesses overall i had this thought that like what if there was a facebook where your doctors just were your friends not friends but the people your contacts and so when you posted on medical facebook you could be like wow i have a headache today and then i have a headache today and your doctor could just go through their feed and be like oh jeffrey's got a headache four days in a row Hmm. you know what i mean or Mm -hmm. your dentist could be like oh or, you know, your other, all your other doctors would just be your contacts and they could maybe get paid for the time they spend on their Facebook stream. I don't know, but it would be a, a, a real time way of following trends in someone's body, you know? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> the only reason that I would advise against something like that is simply because, um, you know, the more of your medical information you put out into a public sphere, mm. the, the more likely there's to to be harm to you. And oh, that kind sure. of plays into where we're going to go next um, with information. Be, every, everything seems to be data. And every app now is asking me, give me access to everything you do across all devices and other apps. Mm. And I've been like turning that down. So yeah, yep. it is an interesting segue, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, like the idea that you know, I do like the idea that there could be a way for you to log your symptoms. There, there could be a way for you to, you know, say, oh, hey, I noticed something different. And then if that something different is still there, you know, have a way to be able to show that to your doctor and say, hey, look, so this is what I noticed. This is when I started noticing it. This is how it's gotten worse since I started noticing it. Yeah. You know, what's what's happening? <clears throat> but I think in the age of telehealth, we're going, instead of that, you know, okay, I've noticed this a whole bunch of times. Now I need to make a doctor's appointment for like three weeks out and hope that that's still there. Whereas with a telehealth appointment, like every time that I log into my telehealth program through my insurance, they're like, it's 10 minutes to be seen by a doctor. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, Great. You know, and that's just it is, is that there's no difference between a doctor in Washington and a doctor in Florida and a doctor in New York and a doctor in California and a doctor in Montana and a doctor in Texas and a doctor in Illinois. And a doctor is a doctor is a doctor is a doctor when it comes to generals. That's interesting because Medicare Medicare requires me to only have a doctor in a specific area that surrounds me. So telehealth might actually change that. Which is what I would hope is, is that, that for people who need to be seen by a doctor and rather than having to wait for that appointment to be available, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in how many ever weeks or months and that, te- you know, if there's a Medicare telehealth, yeah. then, you know, it could be like, Hey, something's come up. I've noticed it. 
let's see if we can't get this addressed sooner. And then boom, you're on the Medicare telehealth app and you're getting seen by a doctor sooner. Yeah. I honestly think that that is something that could change the way, you know, change how the cost of getting into a doctor on Medicare would, would be a huge benefit. Hell yeah. You just, and maybe that's, type in, you just made me type in my disability policy note that I've been making. So that was something big to me. I, I like that. Thank you. So, so there you go. Start pushing that one because, <laughs> because, because there's no reason why being on Medicare can't be cost effective. Number one. Right. And number two, have you a greater access to being seen when you need to be seen? Yeah, so totally. maybe that's, oh, maybe that's something you can push to your, your local rep, your state Senator, yeah. um, tweet out, tweet out Kamala and Joe, see if, uh, see if they'll be interested in hearing something like that. Well, what I have uh, pinned to my Twitter page at public access pod is every member of the um, subcommittee that oversees Medicare and SSI and disability. And what I did was I put all of their Twitter handles in the first tweet, and then I attached every tweet that had their phone number and um, Washington phone number, and I asked people to contact them. But the problem is, is until we're unified into what we want, we can just scream for attention like a kid. But once we mm-hmm. get the attention, if we don't know what to ask for, then we're just kind of screwed. And so that's why I've been putting this together concerning housing and um, like everything. Like, why can't I have a savings account? Things like that. So the right. fact that I can't see a doctor, an amazing doctor in New York, and I got to see a a below average doctor in Florida, that doesn't make sense to me. And so that's something I, if I got Medicare's attention, I could be like, yeah, this is what I want you to fix. you know, like, here, change this uh, line in your policy, <laughs> you know? Right. And, and that's, and, and that's the thing is, is that Medicare is Medicare is Medicare. It doesn't matter right. what state you, that you're in. Right. You should be able to see a Medicare related doctor, you know, does it really matter if that Medicare related doctor you have to see is in Kansas? It does to Medicare Advantage. I should say I am on Medicare Advantage, which is different than Medicare other Medicare's. So, but but it shouldn't be. That's the thing. Is it, it that it shouldn't be? It shouldn't be. It, it shouldn't be. be. It it's you know because the rates are the same regardless of what state that you're in, and the doctors are you know part of the program regardless mm-hmm. of what state they're in. Like it should not matter for you to go see someone and get the care that you need if it's online, that's and right. that's the beauty of it. Is is that. If they're like, hey, we should probably do a blood draw because there could be a number of blood-related things that we can look at. Great. Now, now the next question is, is where could you go to do a blood draw? Any lab you know? in America. And that's just it. Is is that you know there there's you know I, I believe that there are certain pharmacies. There are more pharmacies now that do blood draws and things like that. Nice. You know, um, <clears throat> I know that we have like. Um, like LabCorp here has a number of like pop-ups places where you literally just like catch a bus somewhere. If you needed to catch a bus right, right along a bus stop and boom, you're there to get, you know, a blood draw done. That's the biggest um, impairment to my health is the blood draw because I got to, I got to find a ride, you know, to get it. I would love like just, um, phlebotomists like uber drivers you know what i mean just on call. mobile 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 draws mobile would, draws yeah those I, w- I mean awesome. that wouldn't be such a bad thing but the problem there is is that 
being able to keep the sample at the temperatures that it needs to be kept in sure. you know unfortunately that's just i think that's just not something that the technology is there yet doesn't mean it can't get there it just well, isn't there yet it, all it is is a drone right that's all we need a drone to place itself right on our front lawn and give us our blood pressure and, blo- and take our <laughs> blood draw. You know what I mean? What you're saying is, is that we all just need like an Android that's, you know, lives in the house with us and yes. we can, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed, but I wrote, I robot it. There you go. But, <laughs> but there are ways in which we can make the system more effective for people who need it to be more effective. It's, you know, with when you have high population centers, yeah, that means that you're going to have a higher percentage. You're going to have a higher number of people that are going to be needing Medicare. There is no reason at this point in time why you have to be locked in to a specific area, right? Where your hope of getting in is not going to be anytime soon, but. The guy in Kansas who is the Medicare doctor, mm-hmm. you know, in a specific location, yeah. might have two or three patients a day. Right. And he could use, number one, the 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 money if he doesn't have more visits in order to get, you know, to meet his, that, that ability to spread that out. So that way people are being seen more effectively. Right. There's just, there's just no reason why that shouldn't be. Uh, available right now how many colleges do you think are out there that you could actually sign into a telehealth visit at a class of people studying it you know because my my specialist my eye doctor was a professor at illinois university it would be kind of amazing to like just tune in and get like student answering what do you think's wrong with them you know what i mean i think that would be kind of neat I think that would be, I, to me personally, I think that would be fantastic in, in being able to give, um, mm-hmm. to give students more access to real world cases and oh, yeah. more access to, I would, I would say that remote, remote, uh, viewing is going to be one of the biggest things that comes up in terms of health, That'd being be able, being able to see doctors, being able to, uh, as a doctor, learn how to interact with patients through the screen. Right. And, and be able to, and for systems to be able to have the list of resources. So like, you know, if my, if my telehealth provider was like, okay, this person's on Medicare, here's the list, you know, here's where they're located. Here's the list of mm-hmm. places where they can get their blood draw, the list of places where they can get their medications right. that, you know, oh, hey, this person has disabilities and they need to be on a bus line. Okay. Boop, 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 boop. Right. Here is the list of locations that are close to you on a bus line within 10 minutes. Yeah. And all we need for that is a customizable page like Mm -hmm. that, that it's everything is intuitive. So just learn from me, you know, learn my needs as I, as I request a ride, give me better options for that ride. If I, if I see a doctor, give me, show me doctors that are affiliated to the same subject. I like that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? But well, I and think, that's the thing is I that information's already there. That information is already there. It's just about mm-hmm. actually putting it into a form that's usable right. within the Medicare system. But I think what else that would happen was a patient would see the doctors coming up and they would be more they would be more communication there because you're you're seeing these doctors from the ground up. You're seeing who they are. You're seeing that they're not we've turned our doctors into accountants 
and paper pushers and they don't have time to be doctors anymore. And so right. seeing them as they don't have to do that and they can just be inquisitive doctors, I think that would be kind of beneficial for everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that. So information. information. And that's just... and this is one of those things where the more information we put out there about ourselves, the more likely we are to have that information compromised. Oh, heck yeah. It's and everywhere. so now, you know, when you asked, am I going to be able to talk about Colonial Pipeline? Mm. So for the viewers out there, uh, part of my program was to do risk analysis right. uh, on an InfoSec level. Um, what does the risk of doing business look like in terms of information security? I have a paper that has been published um, where I look at the risks of uh, the, uh, the agricultural industry, like our food, in terms of you know, oil and gas and the push to go from oil and gas to electric. Nice. Part of that research, you know, it, most of my research was about looking at how, you know, the transition from one type of power source to another is going to impact the way that our food is priced. Mm. It also talks about how it impacts our environment currently versus in the future. Mm. Now, I in my research, though, a lot came up about our infrastructure and where it stands. So when it comes to the InfoSec side of things, I'm actually fairly well-versed in it. Um, so here's where we got to start. We got we to gotta put a little history into this. Yes. Yeah. I wanted you to go all meta on this subject. I love it. So with pipelines, one of the things about, you know, one of the things about where we've gone to where we are now in the past, we had, you know, a series of very manual processes, things that weren't controlled by anybody other than a person with two hands. You know, you, you look at those systems and, you know, it was, wasn't perfect and it wasn't efficient. As the internet comes about, we start to realize there are some things that we can do that will make more of those processes efficient. We'll be able to deliver things just in time is, mm. is what it's called. <clears throat> but what that meant was that we had to sacrifice some, some physical controls for that, you know, actual hands on the object. Okay. As computing power gets greater and greater, the, the need for people to be involved becomes less and less. That's the, that is the, you know, low orbit level version of this. And to bring it back down a little bit closer to earth, <clears throat> when the internet first hit the market for all of us, you know, people were imagining the great potentials of the internet, things that you could do, things that you could <clears throat> see, things that you could connect. Heck yeah. And hackers were just this weird sort of like super low underground thing. And they were just targeting the government, <laughs> you know, but the idea that they couldn't target an individual was, you know, that they could target an individual wasn't really a thought yet because you know, in terms of what you had was most likely you had your, you know, you might've had your name out there. You might've had your 
email address, potentially if you had posted your phone number or a mailing address. Right. I mean, we weren't doing credit cards over, we weren't ordering stuff. There was no benefit. There was no benefit to doing it to individuals back then, right? Right, and and more likely than not, the ability for them to make any sort of good money off of it was just very minimal. Yeah, you can't sell data if nobody wants it, and and you can't steal money if you don't have a way to collect that money. Right. And so that was just you know the the wild west days of the internet were simply that, you know you had to attack places where money was flowing as we get into, you know, the, 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 the later pioneer years starting, you know, around, I would say 2008 ish, you know, people are getting more comfortable with using credit cards and things like that. So it becomes now a lot easier and a lot more viable to harvest credit card information and steal that. Right. Okay. So, you know, now, you know, you're looking at people stealing like 50 bucks here, a hundred bucks there, you know, you'd get somebody who'd go try to go overboard and, you know, try to cash out a couple grand and your bank would shut it down because you didn't have the money in your account. But, but there was, you know, there was more benefit in these smaller transactions, you know, as a way of harvesting cash from people and waiting until they get caught. Right. In 2011, you start to see the rise of what they call the Internet of Things, IoT. It was this exciting new era of we could connect all of these devices to the Internet and you would be able to interact with them in different ways, right. like having your printer on Wi-Fi, having your your phone on Wi-Fi, having your toaster on Wi-Fi. Yeah, right. Like, why the fuck does a toaster need Wi-Fi? Hey, trust me, I got a friend that has it. It's on. Well, at about that time, hackers started realizing that they could use these devices right. as a means of attacking other major systems because they did not invest in uh, infosec on these devices. There was no internet security, right. so you could literally, you know, very simply reprogram these devices to send out requests to a specific IP address and just overrun their systems. You saw that happen with Visa at one point. Wow. Okay. You know, and basically none of these companies had thought about how they would implement security into their hardware. So that way you couldn't have your toaster trying to hack, you know, bank of America or trying to shut them down. So that way they couldn't process transactions. Because if you send a billion requests at a time, it overloads the system and makes it easier for you to get in as the person trying to hack it. Or just shut it down. And and then, then you get into the quote unquote ransomware era. Yeah. About 2013, 2012, 2013, you start to see the rise of the ransomware era. As phishing, has, as, as phishing uh, in terms of an infosec standpoint has become uh, more prevalent, the idea of getting people, you know, when, when you saw people get viruses on their computer, you were just looking at mostly destructive practices. Okay. You, started seeing, you started seeing a little bit more sophistication when people started installing key loggers. 
basically right. all key loggers do is they record everything that you type into your keyboard and then that gets saved as a file that then gets sent on to the hacker. And then they just look for a series of numbers that would look like a credit card. Right. And then boom, that's how they get your credit card information. Um, uh, or they would create a fake site that looks a lot like the real site and you would enter in your information there and then exactly. boom, your information is compromised. Exactly. That's why, that's why you, you know, for a while there, you saw people get really, really suspicious about typing their credit card information in anywhere. Right. Now, a lot of other secondary sites have stepped up and said, yes, this site is perfectly safe for you to do this. This site is not trusted. And that's where the right. SSLs and, and security certificates have come in in the greater web, uh, website of things. Right, right. But the reality is, is, is that all you need is one link to click on and you as a person compromise your computer. Right. As this level of sophistication increased, they lose, you know, hackers soon realized that they didn't need to just target individuals. They could target companies. And because they figured out how to spread malware within a system, there became a couple of main vectors that you saw. Number one is the, we're going to target the individual. If we can get them to download, if we can get them to click on it, it gives us a way into their system and then we can try and get into their server from there. Gotcha. Or number two, like you saw with solar winds is, is that they target a specific software, change out the software update for a compromised version. And then the company thinks that they're downloading and installing a trusted software version. And that's how they get in. Right. Okay. So that sets up this whole premise for what in the hell happened with colonial. And is it attached to solar winds? No, okay. this is not a solar winds related thing. Okay. So what happened with colonial was all of colonial systems compromised. The answer is no. Oh, cool. The reason why they're able to get up get up and running as fast as they were is because, um, what happened was they got a ransomware attack on their financial systems. Sure. So that means that if they were paying anybody or if anybody was paying them, that information got compromised and held hostage. That was the terabyte of data that the hackers got. Now, what these hackers have come to learn is, is that there are two ways that you can make money off of this. Number one, you can lock down their computer and then steal their information and then potentially get more money off of that. Right. Or number two, you can lock their computer and request that the company pay you directly through Bitcoin or whatever. Right. And that's how they make their money. So rather than having to, you know, potentially steal a bunch of credit card information and then have it, you know, get charged, it, it makes it, it makes the uh, ability to trace the source of the hack a lot harder. Sure, and the source of who's getting the money because you're exactly you're, you're making the payer pay in undisclosable funds. So that's really... exactly so with and, and so with you know with the rise in cryptocurrency, you're seeing more of a rise in in thefts and and ransomware attacks that are going to lead to uh, greater usage of cryptocurrency in order for people to pay their stuff back. So I'm going to take this time for all of you individuals out there. If, if you want to keep your information safe, 
there's a couple of simple things you can do. Number one, if you have like a bunch of pictures, photos, uh, videos, audio, things you want to keep safe, you should have a backup drive. Uh, that you, number one, either back up your machine, you back your machine up to, or number two, you just back up those individual files too. Personally, I'm the kind of person where I back up the files and I can nuke my hard drive and start from scratch. And, and that works for me. I, but I, I'm an IT person. So for me, that just, it makes more sense because I can eradicate the virus but keep my files right sure it's a pain in the ass to get my programs set back up the way that i want them but getting everything nuked i just know that i'm not going to have to deal with a hacker when you get hacked you're nuking it whether you have a backup or not is irrelevant you're you got to get rid of it right well there's a couple of different i mean you can get rid of it without nuking it Hmm. i just happen to be the kind of person where i would rather just nuke my hard drive and start from scratch that just it it, for sure you're going to eradicate it versus i think i got it (laughs) so so i just recommend that everybody has you know you can go to costco if you have a costco membership they depending on how much data you have that you want to save they've got two terabyte passport hard drives they've got eight terabyte desktop drives if you have a bunch of videos and and, and stuff that you want to save precious memories. I, mm-hmm. I always recommend backing that stuff up if you want to save it. And it's an external one, right? So you, exactly. you attach it, then you unattach it. And yep, so you, it yep. You attach it when you need it. You unattach it when you don't. Mm-hmm. And then that way you keep your inform you keep those precious memories safe because unfortunately there has been a rise in, in people's computers getting locked. And, you know, if you lost a loved one and you had a particular video that you don't have anywhere else, the mm-hmm. only way that you're getting that back is by paying a hacker and fuck them. Keep your information safe in a secondary spot. So is that what would have saved Colonial Pipeline or the owners of Colonial Pipeline if they had just simply done hard drive backups? <laughs> well, that certainly does help. And, and, and here's how those systems work. So depending on what kind of a system Colonial has implemented, mm-hmm. they might have like a cloud backup system or a data center where everything that they do gets backed up to a secondary system. Ah, okay. So this is one of those things where, uh, depending on their level of sophistication, which hopefully they are, you know, significantly invested in systems, right? The information that they had was being sent to a secondary location to save. Depending on what system you're working on, sometimes you have three, four, five different geographically diverse systems, because. The idea isn't that you're going to just keep your information safe. It's, you know, what happens if we have a hurricane hit Florida and the data centers in Florida get flooded? Right. Well, if you only have a backup in Florida and your your data center gets flooded and you get flooded, you're shit out of luck. But if you have a data center in Florida, that's your quick recovery spot. And then you have, let's say, one that's in in Kansas or one Mm. that's in Washington or one that's in California or one that's in New York, you know, having a geographically diverse uh, location is how you keep your ability to stay running or get back up and running real quickly. Uh, It's how you make that more possible. Okay. So with, but one of the biggest problems that you're up against is, is that when, when you're, 
when you sorry billy has had decided that she wants to join the chat are you gonna come up here and say hi to everybody love it billy see say hi to everybody <laughs> hi billy sorry awesome hello billy yes so um if you have all of your information saved in various locations that's how you're going to ensure a return to operation but what if the problem is, is is that this the information that you have backed up is also infecting right your other locations and this is where it actually gets really tricky and this is where there could there has to be some speculation in that whatever they might not have had the systems backed up the way that they needed to because <laughs> because in one sense you should have your systems backed up in a way that let's say that you you can figure out what your last known good configuration was mm-hmm. and you can restore to that but your data isn't stored to another location oh wow so you have to nuke things here you have to pull from one location to get everything loaded back to where it was to the last known good configuration and then you have to bring your data in right. that's a pain in the ass and and, and companies test this constantly some Good. test it more rigorously than others. You saw that we saw this happen, and you see this now with major corporations: Google, Microsoft, Apple. Mm-hmm. They all like, like I got to watch Microsoft do a drill where their system got compromised, and they shut down all of North America's operations wow. and had it switch to another location in the country uh, not in the country but in the world That's so cool. all of their all of their systems were then running through a, a different location Love and they and they test this regularly because you don't know what you could sustain as an attack um on your system be it physical right. be it technological you have to be able to keep things running no matter what happens now to those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, Twitter, Prove 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 
Apple Podcasts, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, and Spotify. Yes, we can. Public Access America. History in the making. Making history in the making. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.